Good morning. <laughs> We're going to explore the path to victory today and discover how the story about Jericho highlights three things, silence, obedience, and obedience to the end. Joshua and the Israelites had to defeat Jericho to make it into the promised land and the promised life. They couldn't ignore the city any longer if they wanted to make it to the promised land. There might be strongholds in your life that you can't ignore any longer. What is the Jericho in your life? Maybe your Jericho is your fear, anger, guilt, resentment, anxiety, insecurity, mindset or attitude. And maybe these stop you from moving into your promised land. Maybe it's telling you to go back into the wilderness, back through the Jordan. We need to ask ourselves these questions. What in my life do I need to deal with? Am I going to deal with it? Am I going to let God deal with it? I also wonder what the Jericho is in our church. We definitely live in a very busy community where people are time poor. Everyone seems to fill in every moment with something. And I wonder if people feel like they don't have enough time to come to church. Your Jericho or strongholds will be demolished. Such is the case for Joshua. Last week, Charlie was talking about Joshua and the Israelites being all in together, one in, all in. The Israelites needed to cross the River Jordan all together with all the tribes, not some of the tribes. God's people were led by God across the river at the start of their attack of the Promised Land. It was no coincidence that the Ark of the Covenant led the way. It symbolises for us that God must lead us and we must follow. It also symbolises God's sovereignty, power and rule and that God's power was the same this time as it was when they crossed the Red Sea with Moses. The ark was a constant reminder that God was holy, just and merciful and unchanging character. When the Israelites were in the desert after crossing the Red Sea with Moses, they had previously refused to follow when God was ready. And then when they were ready, God was not leading. The outcome in each case was a disaster. So now they were ready to follow God and they were learning that for their advance in their invasion, God must always be leading. And in the, as is in the case in our lives for any positive, fruitful, spiritual enterprise. For the Israelites, the only way to advance anywhere or at any time is to follow God's lead. Only he can give victory. The start of this conquest for the Israelites began with a miracle. Just as God appeared to Moses to commission him to the Israelites or to liberate Israel from Egypt's Pharaoh, now God or God's commander appeared to Joshua and commissioned him to lead the Israelites into their promised inheritance. And the Lord said, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. In other words, God has done all the work and Joshua and Israel need only believe. 
the commander of the Lord's army, gave Joshua a unique battle plan. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of a long blast of the trumpets, we have the whole army give a loud shout. The wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. When we hear this plan from a human point of view, it doesn't sound very useful and the walls don't fall when trumpets are sounded and when soldiers march and stomp their feet. But this is what happened. Joshua instructed the Israelites and they followed the commands of the Lord. For six days they walked in silence around the walls of Jericho once a day. On the seventh day they marched around seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When they heard the sound of the horn's long blast, they gave a loud shout and the walls of the city collapsed and the army, the whole army, went in and took the city. Jericho was destroyed in accordance with God's command to Joshua. Only Rahab and her family were saved. The people of Jericho had hardened their hearts to God, just like the Pharaoh in Egypt. The people in Jericho had heard about the miracle that had happened when God's people were delivered from the Pharaoh. As we know from Rahab's confession on the rooftop to the two spies back in chapter 2 from two weeks ago, Rahab said that a great fear to all has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you, meaning they were terrified of the Israelites and their God. They would have also heard about the miracle that had occurred at the crossing of the Jordan River. They were not without evidence, but unlike Rahab, they chose to be disobedient. They still were unwilling to change. They resisted Israel's God, and they endured the consequences. God was not only looking at the hearts of those in Jericho, but at the hearts of those in, of the Israelites, and they had to be right before they could be, or before they could be God's blessing on this defeat and victory. Let's look at the preparation that the Israels needed to do before the collapse of the walls in Jericho. They had to keep silent, absolutely and completely quiet. Last week I challenged the children in Children's Church to guess at how many people they might have crossed the Jordan River. And we talked about the 40,000 men plus women plus children and I got some amazing numbers. But Joshua commanded the people in verse 10, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until I tell you to shout. Then shout. Can you imagine 40,000 men plus women plus children, they had to keep completely quiet. They obeyed. Silence before God. This is the lesson that we need to learn. Think about it. We're not, when we are not verbally speaking, 
then there are a thousand mental voices inside our thoughts, every one of them vying for the last word. If we can't quieten those thoughts, then how is God going to get a word in? How are we going to listen to God? It is essential that once we have poured out our hearts to God, that when, then we can let God speak. I'm sure you've all heard the saying that we have two ears and one mouth, therefore we should be doing twice as much hearing as we do speaking. So what kind of battle is this? What kind of warfare is this? This is spiritual warfare. Every battle we fight, at the root of it is spiritual war. The battle of Jericho is a spiritual battle for our minds and hearts. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapon we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We do not wage war according to the flesh. Our strongholds, attitudes, arguments, opinions, resentments, prejudices, all keep us from moving forward. Also, when we say things like, I could never forgive that person, or I resent that person, these strongholds keep us from moving forward. You can forgive. You can defeat materialism, perfectionism, self-pity, pride, and even self-loathing. A stronghold is an idea that keeps you from God's promises. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it encourages us to demolish arguments to every pretension that sets up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to remember that Christ has already won for us in his great redemptive work. Jericho came down, and so can your Jericho. With God's help, those strongholds can be demolished. The first thing that the Israelite did in their preparation for the conquest in Jericho was to be silent. The second thing is obedience. Rahab demonstrated her obedience when she followed the instructions given to her in preparation for her her family and her to be saved. The Israelites had to be obedient to the commands of God through Joshua when he instructed them to stay silent. Obedience is an essential part of true faith. In Hebrews 11.30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. We honour God by by being obedient. Even Jesus was obedient in in Philippians 2.8. It reads, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our preparation so far includes silence and obedience. Now let's look at the third step in the preparation of the Israelites for their path to victory. It is obedience to the end. Obedience that is not total obedience is still disobedience. For example, Saul, when he failed to destroy the Amalekites, sorry, completely when God told him to. When Joshua instructed the Israelites, he did so on a daily basis and marched them around the city 
and then headed back to camp. And they did that for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and on the seventh time around, the priests blasted the horns, and Joshua commanded them, commanded the army to shout. This situation is a little bit like the Syrian general named Naaman, when Elisha told him to bathe in the waters of the muddy Jordan River seven times to cure his leprosy. Naaman went away angry from Elisha as he thought he would have been cured from his leprosy instantly. But he had to follow the instructions given to him obediently to see the results of his cure. There is no substitute for obedience to God and there is no substitute for obedience in all particulars to the very end. And when God doesn't act as quickly as we think he should or in precisely the way that we are convinced he should act, we are still not justified in pulling back or adopting an alternative procedure. When Joshua and all the Israelites obeyed God faithfully, victory came and the walls tumbled. God led the way, had already delivered Jericho into their hands and all they had to do was be obedient and faithful. When we lived with demolished strongholds, God gives us the strength to face the struggles, a new mindset, a different way of thinking. We are dead to our old ways. And just as Joshua did, we pick up the Ark of the Covenant. We put God in the centre. We put God in the centre of our marriage, parenting, life, sex life, decisions, finance and business. We live Christ-centred lives. Christ is with us. Christ is in us. God has told us how to wage warfare, by prayer, by the word of God and by our testimony. We should never make the mistake and think we can fight with the world's tools and weapons. We must remember to listen to God and obey faithfully to the end. When we do, then in God's own time, the walls of the strongholds will be demolished. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your strength and courage. We pray that we would be strong in the day of battle. We pray that you give us that strength and courage that only comes from you and you alone. We pray that like Joshua, we would be strong and very courageous and not be afraid to face the enemies of our soul. We pray that you would break any stronghold of fear, of doubt, shame or unbelief that weakens our walk and witness and that makes us so vulnerable to the darkness. Help us to resist evil and to take every thought that starts to drag us down captive and to hand it to you. For you have not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, self-discipline and a sound mind. Lord, we are aware that there are many forms of opposition, many strongholds that can, that can keep our souls enslaved and captive and which prevent us from being strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power in this fallen world. We pray that by your grace and in the power of the Holy Spirit that we will abide in Christ 